Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. A Los Angeles County teenager has become what could be the first person under 18 to die from coronavirus in the U.S. Governor Gavin Newsom says it's a devastating reminder that COVID-19 affects people of all ages. We had the tragic loss uh, of a a young life, uh, a teenager in Lancaster, uh, California, uh, which underscores the enormity of the challenge in front of us, this health crisis, uh, and how it can impact anybody and everybody. The teen tested positive for COVID-19, but L.A. County public health officials added that the case was complex and said they couldn't conclusively rule out other factors. But Newsom says young people are disproportionately testing positive for coronavirus in California. 50% of the 2,102 individuals that have tested positive, 50% are between the age of 18 and 49. I'll repeat that. Half of those that have tested positive to date in the state of California are 18 to 49 years old. And as of this morning, there are 2,628 confirmed coronavirus cases in California. That's a more than 17% increase since Monday, and there have been 51 COVID-19 fatalities in the state. Let's turn to the virus now and government. The Newsom administration is telling state agencies that the economic fallout from COVID-19 could have a big impact on the money the agencies have to spend. KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer has more. In letters sent to legislators and agency directors Tuesday, the California Department of Finance said the state's response to the coronavirus pandemic is creating a severe drop in economic activity, warning them not to expect full funding in either this fiscal year or the one starting in July. Department spokesman H.D. Palmer. The governor wanted to put the administration on notice that given the severity of this crisis and the uncertainty for how long it is going to last, These are the new rules of the road for the budget going forward for the foreseeable future. Palmer says the state doesn't yet know how big the financial hit will be to California. That depends on a number of things, including federal funds to mitigate costs of the epidemic and how long the outbreak lasts. We're in a much better budget position now to address this crisis going into it than we have been in recent memory. The good news, Palmer says, is that California has almost $20 billion of budget reserves and that more revenues than expected were coming in before the downturn began. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. California's agricultural land grows about a third of the nation's vegetables and nearly two-thirds of its fruits and nuts. This production is essential to America's food supply. So during the coronavirus pandemic, what safety measures are in place to stop the spread of COVID-19 among the state's hundreds of thousands of farm workers? KCRW's Catherine Barnes reports. Farm workers are being asked to wash their hands more often and practice social distancing in the fields, staying six feet apart while harvesting produce like strawberries and broccoli. Some farms are reducing crew sizes and alternating lunch breaks to avoid large groups of people mingling. What happens when they go home, however, is a different story. Many California farm workers live in overcrowded homes and often share a single residence between several families, making it nearly impossible to practice social distancing. 
In an open letter to agricultural employers last week, United Farm Workers called on them to provide 40 hours or more of sick pay and for workers to be placed on paid administrative leave if they or an immediate family member contracts COVID-19. Right now, the state requires employers to give employees at least three sick days a year. For the California Report, I'm Katherine Barnes in Santa Barbara. A lot of Californians who have tested positive for COVID-19 or are worried they might be infected are self-quarantining themselves. But how long do you have to stay isolated from others? KQED's Laura Clivens reports it's not always so clear. Bay Area massage therapist Candace Palmerly tested positive for the coronavirus more than a week ago. She and her family immediately isolated themselves at home. One nurse told her to wait two weeks after her first symptom. Another said two weeks from the date of her test. And county literature said something else. If you look at all three of those different lines of advice, you come up with very different dates for when I'm released from quarantine. Dr. Sajjan Patel of the University of California, San Francisco, says people should go by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention guidelines. If you can't get tested again, you have to meet three criteria. No fever for at least 72 hours without the use of a medicine that reduces fevers like Tylenol and other symptoms have improved, and you have at least seven days that have passed since your symptoms first appeared. But Patel says it's not permission to jump back into society. Instead, it's joining the rest of us in our socially distant, shelter-at-home lives. For the California Report, I'm Laura Clivens. The coronavirus pandemic is putting a lot of Californians out of work. Maybe even some of you who are listening to me right now. To help cover their bills, many people are applying for state unemployment insurance, and they're doing it in record numbers. To learn more about what's happening, I talked to Lori Levy of the California Employment Development Department, the state agency that handles unemployment applications. Well, we're looking at unprecedented demand. I mean, obviously, the benefits that we provide here at the EDD are in big demand during any economic downturn, but certainly anything where we've seen the whole economy kind of slowing down and screeching to a halt is unprecedented. So we are seeing um, certainly an unprecedented demand for these benefits, more of a sudden slam of demand, as you can well imagine. So for that reason, we have got pretty much all hands on deck here at the EDD, trying to do everything we can to streamline the processing of these claims, and that includes staff working overtime seven days a week, redirecting hundreds of staff from throughout the department and elsewhere, even recent retirees with unemployment insurance processing knowledge. And we're trying to hire as well, but it does take about six months to get someone up to speed to help us in processing these claims. So an all-important question to a person who's newly unemployed and listening to this, if I file for unemployment, say, today, or tomorrow, when am I going to get my first check? Well, typically it always takes at least three weeks to process a claim because we are required to check wage records and a number of other things before we can find someone eligible because these are wage replacement programs and they are designed to replace a portion of the wages that you are losing because you cannot work or cannot work full time with a reduced number of hours through no fault of your own. We look back at the last 12 to 18 months of wages, for example. So it always takes at least about three weeks before we can get something processed for most people and then issue a payment if found eligible. Obviously, right now, we're encountering a huge claim load, so we're trying a number of different creative solutions to apply so we can try to remain as timely with that as possible. But as you can well imagine, we're also, as an employer with thousands of staff throughout the state, 
also trying to do all that while also trying to get our staff to working remotely as much as possible. Yeah. I should note, though, that the Legislative Analyst Office came out with this report saying that that three-week time span is likely only going to increase. You know, we haven't talked with them, um, but I can tell you that, um, you know, it's changing daily and some of the solutions that we're being able to employ. So it really is kind of a day-by-day situation, and we're trying to get as much taken care of as we can within this three-week period from some of those first claims being filed. And I would just really ask you to, to kind of be patient, and we'll keep everybody up to date as the situation evolves. And is there advice you would give to uh, part-time workers or workers in the gig economy versus the newly unemployed who had a regular job prior to this? You know, a lot of people are simply separated from their current employer temporarily and had every plan to return to that employer once things um, settle down a bit. So in those situations, you may not have to abide by the normal looking for work while you're collecting benefits, for example. And if you want more information about applying for unemployment, go to edd. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, March 25th, a production of KQED Public Radio. Remember, you can hear the latest coronavirus news on your local public radio station. And if you want to take part in a daily statewide conversation about this pandemic we're living through, you can join KQED's forum program from 10 to 11 this morning. In the Bay Area, you can listen on the air at 88.5 FM or visit kqed.org slash forum to listen live or subscribe to the podcast. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Be well, everybody. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Personal Capital, offering financial planning with registered advisors and serving over 2 million people with online financial tools, personalcapital.com. And Stanford HealthCare, offering every kind of care for every kind of patient. Learn more at stanfordhealthcare.org. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles. The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles? The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. 
I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading!